Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is another one from our archives that we did back in our first in-season in 2017. At that time, Terry Shea joined me weekly to do a series that we called The Game Plan. Terry Shea does consulting work for the NFL for future draft prospects, and he served as the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator as well as the quarterback coach for the Kansas City Chiefs, Miami Dolphins, and St. Louis Rams. This episode, we talk about adding a wrinkle, and Coach shares some great insight into the way that he thought about adding things to his offense. So let's take a listen to this episode with Coach Terry Shea. And we're joined again by Coach Shea for another episode of The Game Plan. Coach Shea, Good to have you back here this week. It's great to be here, Keith. Looking forward to it. Coach, we're going to talk about adding a wrinkle this week, and it's something obviously every coach talks about over the course of the season, that they want to add a wrinkle. Um, But really when you think about doing those types of things, you have to do more than just add a play, maybe that you saw an opponent use successfully, um, or, or think about adding something that really fits into your scheme. So let's start with that process and thinking about how we get to that point to make those decisions and starting it off with obviously a self-scout. What types of things as as you were a coordinator and a head coach did you really want to find in the self-scout? Well I think it, it certainly begins with your offensive tendencies. If we're speaking of a wrinkle on the offensive side of the ball uh, you, you want to make sure you you evaluate what you look like in the eyes of your opponent, and that's that's what the self scout process gives you. And obviously, field position, down and distance, uh, some of the game situations play into the self scout. And um, you want to make sure that after the self scout evaluation is completed, that you uh, are definite in terms of why you want to put in a wrinkle and then of course the procedure on on how you you know how you progress in terms of the teaching process and overall coach i don't think having a tendency is a bad thing but you know the purpose of that self-scout is to know what your tendencies are and to determine when is the appropriate time to break those tendencies um how did you view that as far as uh you know developing them over the course of a few games and then deciding like, Hey, here's the point where maybe we break this tendency. Well, you, 
you you obviously run the plays you believe in. Once that is in you know in the evolution of your offense, you try to make sure that whatever plays you are um, repeating and the the tendency is created by that repetition, then you want to make sure you understand. Okay, are they successful? Are the plays that I'm running successful? And that would send out a an, an alert to your opponent that. If they're going to stop you on offense, they've got to take away some of the best things you do. And I think <clears throat> that's where you begin to think about, okay, how do I counter counterpunch that? How do I how do I come with a with a tendency breaker that capitalizes on the on the fact that these are the best things we do, knowing that your defensive opponent will will conclude that as well. And then they'll they'll obviously you're up to stop what you do best. And, and uh, when you meet an opponent like that, you know, you're in a, you're in a chess match. And, and that's a good thing because uh, that means the quality of opponent is going to be right there on the field against you. And, and you counter that with, with obviously how you're going to enlarge your offense and, and, and add that wrinkle or two, that will will give you an edge, Coach. As as you would go through a season, and and maybe you would face an opponent who uh, you knew you could beat. D- did you feel that was an opportunity to maybe create some tendencies, knowing that you know a game or two down the road you're going to be facing a tougher opponent? Well, you always keep an eye out on who your next couple of opponents are, and. Yes, the strength of schedule can can dictate that. Sometimes you present formations that create tendencies, and now you you obviously can counter that against a stronger opponent. I think that's a – I reflect back to my uh, NFL days, and, and I think this applies to, to any level of football. Our offense was always evolving, and you would put plays in each week that you felt – help the offense evolve with the idea that you wouldn't run those plays necessarily. You had enough offense to run and you would, you would put those plays in for maybe two or three games down the road. So that your, your, your own team, your own offensive personnel would become very confident in the execution of those, of those wrinkles. So we were always evolving the offense to where we, we wouldn't necessarily think that, we were going to call the entire offense, but that each week you'd have offensive schemes or offensive ideas that would enhance your offense two games from that point or three games from that point. And that was a, that was a very intriguing and very effective way to, to put together an offense. We're in such a, a personnel, personnel driven um, sport that I, I think uh, a lot of this depends on, on personnel but is that something you feel a coaching staff can really start adding into their meetings even early in the season before they've developed some tendencies that, like, here's potentially a roadmap for this offense and, and some answers and, and things we want to develop as we go through the course of a season? Oh, I, I think that's a, a very sound way to approach developing an offense. There's a trick to developing an offense uh, as as the offensive coordinator or as the head coach, because you you've got to make sure you don't, you know, uh, inundate your players with too much material, and then they they become kind of soft in their in their 
thinking in terms of the definition of, of what you're trying to accomplish offensively. So that that's, a, in my opinion, Keith, I think that's the only way to evolve your offense is to kind of give your guys a blueprint and, as you mentioned, a, a roadmap as to, okay, here's where we're going with our offense, but it doesn't mean that we have to uh, apply those particular calls the very next week. But uh, here's something that, you know, the recall of a player is so critical. And when he can hear something for a second time, for a third time, I, I think he's more ready to execute. And that, you know, I agree with that completely. I think that was always a, a, a focus for me as I would start thinking about adding a wrinkle to the offense. And obviously, you know, we talk, you and I talk about offense quite a bit, but this certainly applies to the defense as well. But you have to focus on what you do best. So for me, it was always looking at, uh, okay, let's say we're running uh, one back power really well. Maybe we can add a fullback into the game. And with the way we taught our one back power, um, we really didn't have to change a lot in the concept, but it just added some, you know, somebody to the blocking scheme. And it would give us potentially an advantage in running, let's say, against a team that likes to play a 4-2 box. Now we have we have an extra guy in the box. We have an extra blocker. That would be something that would be a good addition to us and an effective component in our offense without, like you said, without changing a lot for the players that you know we're able to integrate that by focusing on what we do best. No, no question about that. As long as you can evolve your offense in, in a, in a fashion where the players hold on to the core principles of, of the play call and can execute that obviously at a hundred percent efficiency, then, then you have a chance to add personnel into the mix. One thing I, I also learned Keith from again, going back to my experience with coach Bill Walsh was that he would never have a run play in his offense unless he had a complimentary play action pass or some kind of an action pass to that run. So, you know, that's, that's another way to evolve your offense is to make sure your players understand that um, whatever they, they do with a certain run play in terms of their technique and their leverage and their body language, that, that same, you know, body language and that same, Technique has to be deployed when they install a play action pass to complement it. So that was always a, a the approach that we did it at you know at Stanford under Bill Walsh at that point. Yeah, that was something I certainly had learned from studying um, Bill Walsh and guys in his coaching tree. That um, if we were going to look for like that example that I mentioned, you know, let's say we were putting in a, a two back power, we certainly wanted to complement that with some kind of of play action, whether it was a naked or a drop back play action and always look for those opportunities to get the defense to start to adjust to that wrinkle and then do something obviously to counter that wrinkle. Like you said, with the play action pass. Um, yes. And you, you know what I'm seeing more often than I've ever seen when you watch the, the college teams play in this era of football is that they're, they're complementing a lot of their run game with, some kind of a screen pass that is deployed and it doesn't necessarily have to be a two count or three count screen. Sometimes they'll show you the run and get the ball out to the, to the edge quickly on, on the quick screen concept. But um, that's, that's fascinating. My, you know, my uh, interest in, in terms of 
watching the college team's offense evolve. And it seems like the screen pass is really a big part of that evolution, more so than sometimes play action. Well, definitely. It's a way that uh, they, they clean up the box a little bit and get to spread out the defense. And I'm glad you brought screens up because that was uh, something on my list of a way to add a wrinkle. Um, I always would install our basic screens at the the beginning of the year, and, and they kind of always had like a vanilla flavor to them because I think eventually uh, screens become more effective when you can tie them to, again, a tendency, a look. Um, maybe you have, for example, a slow screen that, that you run out of a passing formation or like you said, there's some kind of a wide receiver screen uh, out of a, a run formation. Those really start to complement your offense well as you can look for opportunities to add that screen concept to uh, another component, especially if that component of the offense has a tendency that's developed. Oh, yes. Uh, great, great concepts. And, you know, what, what I'm, I'm really fascinated with in, the, in this era of football is uh, there are there are more screens that are being developed with when you pull your guard and you pull your fullback and you run that weak side counter kind of play and then you leak out your your front side guard and, and possibly center to the other side of the of the action teams are really being very cute with uh, mm-hmm. how they're setting up their screens and getting those linebackers to move and then you've got the screen on the back side of that so I think. Uh, I, I'm sure the high school coaches uh, can can install those kinds of concepts just as easily as, as the college game. Well, I think when you start moving your linemen, uh, as you mentioned in that example, you know, let's say running a counter one way and then leaking out linemen the other way, you really separate the defense. And I've seen I've seen teams doing that actually uh, right here in Cleveland. The Browns have been doing it with Deshaun Kaiser where uh, they're running – uh, a pin and pull concept one way with a jet sweep the other way. And the effect is, you know, what I've seen in games is is guys are following those guys on the pull. There's an end left right there. you got receivers blocking on the perimeter, and the, the defense just completely separates. Half of it goes one way, and they're really left thin on the other side. And I think that's the same effect you can do with um, the screen as well. And obviously, you know, what teams are doing with the read game. Uh, I think read game right now, whether that's RPO or a, a run read or, like you mentioned, a, a run screen option, uh, certainly great wrinkles to add to some of the things you're doing. But it, the thing I would emphasize as you start to get into, I guess, some of the RPOs and option game is option really needs time on task. And there's a lot of guys who believe like you don't get into those things because it requires so much time on task. Well, I can appreciate that. You know, you you. You have expensive plays, and then you have plays that uh, you can execute at any point uh, with your offense. So uh, the expensive plays are, are very important for a coach to, you know, to slow down his thought process and say, okay, is this worth, is this worth the investment and, uh, and, and practice time that, that you have to, to devote toward you know, making those expensive kind of plays that add wrinkles to your offense uh, you know, plays that you would call and you'd have confidence in. I, I do, I do want to make sure that uh, coaches hear the process and, and or what I feel is the important segment of the process. And that is when you add a wrinkle, 
uh, to your offense, I think the very most important player that has to understand that the, the concept and the, the actual reason why you're deploying such a play is your quarterback. And boy, not only does he have to hear it in a meeting, he, it's probably best that he have a chance to see it on tape. You know, if you're borrowing this kind of a wrinkle from a, from an, an opponent or from a, another level of football, you got to make sure your quarterback can, can visualize it. He can hear it. He writes it down in his notebook, and then he goes out on the practice field. And you really want to make sure that that one position, the quarterback position, has multiple reps at the at the play that you're installing to create the wrinkle or several plays. So I think that is, boy, when you get into the process of developing your offense, you've got to make sure your quarterback experiences that particular play call at not only the mental part of the game, but he has a chance physically to execute it on the practice field. And you, you want to make sure he has three or four quality reps during the course of that week, if you're going to call that play on Friday night. I, I agree with you 100%, Coach. And I think looking at it from the other side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, uh, you really need to be sure the, the guys who can make uh, those adjustments and add the wrinkles on the defensive side are your safeties because the safeties have to make everybody right. You know, I, I was I was uh, listening to something from Steve Speck at uh, St. Xavier High School in Cincinnati, and he talked about how in his defense, his philosophy is the linebackers make the linemen right, the safeties make the linebackers right, and the safeties always have to be right. And I think that really is the key when you look at it for the defense if you're going to add something, if you're going to add a, a, a different blitz where they're going to have to fill, they're going to have to fit in a different way, those guys better really understand it or your defense is going to end up in trouble. No question about it. And, and you know, effective defensive play begins in the back line. I, I've always believed that. And so if you're a defensive-driven coach, you've got to have a real feel for what goes on in the back line, you know, the, in the secondary. And, and uh, that – fits you know so so well into your your thought process about uh the the two safeties and and their ability to adapt and adjust and um boy that's if if you don't if you don't design your wrinkles on defense as they relate to what your secondary can or cannot do and how they can adapt uh then you're you're probably better off not putting in that wrinkle yeah definitely and Moving it back to the other side of of, of the uh, the equation on the offense, uh, one way I would like to always like to drive those safeties crazy was to add movement. And I think, in some ways, in a, in our our uh, our modern era of offense, where we've gone to up tempo and get up to the ball and and snap the ball, we've lost a little bit of, of the art of moving people to really stress. A defense. Um, but what's interesting, uh, there's a, a coach I talked to just the other week um, in Pennsylvania, uh, has a, a very high tempo spread offense, but he's really added motion back into it because he feels right now kind of defenses are are uh, used to running fast, but not not as uh, as adaptive to dealing with the motion and movement and multiple shifts you might see. And I know that's something you did all the time in the NFL. I think it's 
it, I like to see it come back a little bit more. I love that kind of offense where you, uh, you know, move multiple guys around. Uh, what are your thoughts on using movement to add a wrinkle, obviously, without having to, to straight change the structure of uh, a play concept? Well, you're, you're, you're kind of putting a, a, a ball in, in, into my uh, strike zone here because uh, <laughs> all of my years spent in the NFL as a coach, uh, our offensive scheme was always dictated by a movement and, and motion. And uh, it was always built into every play call that we uh, put our offense through. Now, these calls were, were generated from a huddle concept. And when you, when you deal with the, you know, the no huddle uh, spread that uh, is captivated the, the game of football, you really have to, you know, make sure you practice any kind of movement you have with your no huddle scheme. So, but you're starting to see college teams uh, really start to incorporate the, I, I just watched the college game this past weekend up in Eugene, Oregon, and I saw the, the underdog opponent actually shift and then move uh, from a no huddle scheme uh, play after play after play. So, you know, if you're, if you're um, going to buy into that, you've got to obviously spend an inordinate amount of time practicing those movement principles. But once you have them, I, I think it serves to your advantage. So I think you start, uh, if you, if you're starting to think, okay, I'm listening to, to, to this discussion and I want to put in some of these movement schemes. I think you, you either start with um, a real basic shifting concept and then you evolve to couple that with the movement or the motion concept. And I think that's, that's a great step-by-step development of your offense and you can do it um, right in the middle of the season if, if uh, you felt like it fits your offense. Yeah, it, it's uh, definitely something that can give you an advantage. Um, I guess I would like to to stress the part of it, what I always looked at, rather than let's just add some motion to dress things up, was how can I affect the defense and start to make players uh, essentially play out of position or play out of their skill set. For example, if I could find a way to get a free safety who's a little bit used to you know, rolling back to the center of the field or, or playing a little bit more uh, pass defense than fitting on the run, I would want to find a way to shift or motion to get him to be run support and likewise get that strong safety who's maybe more of a, a run fitter who really was a little bit more aggressive to make him have to play deep and then with those movements look for opportunities uh, to run the ball at the one guy and play action the other. And I think that that's just one example of how to do it. Uh, but that was always my feeling is is let's get guys to play where they're uncomfortable. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, you know, the, the matchup uh, football concept is is uh, effective at any any level. And, uh, of course, you see it in the NFL so, so predominantly. But um, there's another uh, – movement scheme that is becoming uh, kind of the in thing in, in uh, spread football now. And that is when you motion a player through the formation, uh, you always allow your quarterback's eyes to track that motion. And if you see the adjustment in the coverage soften up or 
a defender run through with the with, with the receiver, and then he softens. You've got a built-in, you know, a flash throw or or a quick look throw out to the out to the edge, and and quarterbacks have that in their pocket, and if they see it, they can take it. Otherwise, they run the the play designed by the call. So, um, boy, teams are really starting to do some very cute things off of a simple motion that um, gives your quarterback the answer before the snap. Coach, in thinking of game planning, this type of stuff, how much did you guys work on, uh, I guess, anticipating what the adjustment might be or what the movement might be, the response by the defense, so that that you would know, okay, when we do this, this is probably their adjustment, which is going to open up uh, an, a, a, uh, an area over here to attack. How much did you look at that as you game plan some movement? Well, that was always part of the uh you know the evaluation of of why you put in certain movement schemes and we would always um have our eyes as coaches fixed on the edge meaning the outside linebacker what was his adjustment and of course what was the safety's adjustment uh to that side of the motion scheme so we we tried to you know you during the course of a game when you're trying to uh evaluate what the opponent is at, at adjusting to you you've got to have certain defensive characters that you kind of target and uh, that was always the way we approached it we we tried to evaluate what the outside linebackers adjustment was and what the safety to that side was so it gave us reason as to okay here's here's what they're doing with those two defensive characters and now we we've got exactly what we want or we've got a counter to what we thought we might have. So um, I think it's important when when you are in the process of playing in a game and the offensive play caller and his offensive staff are trying to adapt to what the defense is giving them, you, you want to make sure you, you, you have your eyes fixed on whatever defensive characters uh, impact your play calling. And uh, you can't you can't see all eleven uh, until Monday morning when you when you go to to watch the game tape, you know, and then all of a sudden you see all that from a from a visual standpoint. But during the course of a game, you better have a very isolated uh, viewpoint of what you're looking for in order to help you make the next play call. Well, Coach, this was a, a great discussion on adding a wrinkle. What would you offer as a, a few tips to our, our listeners um, that you would focus on, on these are the main things you really need to look at when you're adding a wrinkle in season? I, I believe it, it, it stems uh, initially from your ability to self-scout your own offensive uh, you know, firepower. And, and I think what you've got to do is take the plays that are most effective and most productive on your offense and if you're going to add wrinkles to your game from week to week, you start to obviously combine your wrinkles with what you do best. And again, it comes back to, okay, if I put myself in the defensive thought process, if I'm going to win on defense, I'm going to take away what my offensive opponent does best, uh, whether it be a, a, a personnel player you might want to take away a certain receiver or you take away 
a certain running back or you make the quarterback beat you, you know, those are all the thought processes that go through a defensive uh, scheme in their, in their game preparation. So from an offensive standpoint, you better make sure you, you capitalize on what you do well, and then you add the wrinkles that will help your offense evolve. And then you want to make sure that you practice, practice, and practice. And you, you, you walk through it, you, you, you drill it in a classroom, and then you make sure you give your quarterback enough reps when it comes to game time, you feel like you're going to be productive with your wrinkle or with your evolution. Coach, some great suggestions today on adding a wrinkle in season. Next week, we're going to focus on uh, strategies for next man up success, and you know, looking at some some of the games this past weekend. Uh, one in particular, uh, the Alabama Florida State game. DeAndre uh, Francois goes down. Their quarterback they've been planning on all season. He's you know had surgery already. He's gone. There has to be someone ready. You look on the other side for Alabama. They lost some guys on the defensive side. You have to have those guys ready. And uh, it's not just, uh, you know, we'll fix that problem when it comes to you. You really have to have a process. So that's what we'll uh, discuss next week. Well, I look forward to that. And uh, you you can go uh, even one more game into last weekend where UCLA had a tremendous comeback against Texas A&M. And, of course, the Texas A&M offense, got stalled out when they lost their starting quarterback. So quarterback position is obviously one very important part of that, but uh, there are other positions that uh, I'm sure we'll look forward to discussing next week that will impact a football game as well. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I look forward to it, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, Keith. Have a great week. Good luck to you. Hopefully that was helpful and you gained some insight that can help you this weekend. And we'll continue through the season with you with more insightful information. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski and follow all we're doing at CoachAndCoordinator.com.